This is Aesthetically Trained, the podcast. Pushing you to year-on-year progression. With your host, Ross McKinley. Yo, Ross McKinley, Aesthetically Trained, the podcast. We're back after a short break, a short hiatus to give me time to recharge and plan my next guests. We're back in the first one. I'm very, very happy to see Simon Gullum. Simon, welcome. How are you? I'm very good, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream. I'm on the squeakiest chair in the world, but I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> so Simon is, well, Simon, I've known Simon for several years now. So far in the podcast, we seem to have a bit of a theme that everyone or a lot of the guests that I've got on are people who've influenced my life in some way. But then I like to also think that they're pretty cool people. And Simon, I've made some notes on what I think about him. He's calm as fuck. He's got a very relaxing voice. So if you want to get some wisdom and listen to this before bed, it's certainly going to be one of them. But he's very, well, full of wisdom. Very, very clever bloke. And I actually met Simon back in 2015, 16, a long time ago when I was working with Paul Mort. Simon used to, used to help Paul and he, and he really had a big impact on me then on my mindset coaching us and since then Simon has built his own business I was building it alongside called Unbreakable where he's helping hundreds of women every month so I know we do get some females listening to the podcast and I think you in particular will get a little bit out of this one plus the men listening hopefully Simon is going to impart some of his knowledge on how to handle women better and I think that's going to be beneficial for all of them <laughs> yeah I'm, I wish I'm I really looking forward so Simon you can give a little summary if you will please mate for the, those that don't know you who what well you know what? It's, it's interesting. Our groups are 50-50 men and women now. Other, They've built up a lot. Yeah, so it's not just women anymore. It's men. The majority of the people that come through will be men. 50, right. 50, 50, 50, 50, so it's grown. Yeah. So originally, back in the day, it was just women, wasn't it? So through you, and it's Unbreakable, which, which is your program, just like mine's aesthetically trained, and in a circle, Simon's just called Unbreakable. And, and yeah, you... Your live, I mean, your Simon's live videos are epic, but they're uh, go on, Simon. Explain. So, ex- explain kind of how you got started and what you what you do, mate. Oh, mate, you know what? When everyone asks what you do, they say, "Are you a life coach?" You're like, "No, I'm not a life coach. Nothing against life coaches, but Unbreakable, right? It, the best way to look at it is, it's we're like we're a training provider. That's why I talk about it now. We're ultimately we're dedicated to giving real people the skills to think, feel, and just live better lives. That, that's it in a nutshell if you said it in one sentence that is what Unbreakable is dedicated to giving real people the skills to think a bit, bit greater feel a bit greater and ultimately live a bit greater and so that's what we do and yeah and, and we do it very much like you online we do obviously physical meetups as well but yep. you know that's well the main thing we're dedicated to is giving people real people the skills to think feel and, and to get more out of life you know Fantastic. And, and be and very skill-based. Yeah. Skill-based as opposed to advice-based. So one of the reasons that I want to get Simon on is not just because of these silky smooth tones, as you can hear there. He's been great listening to this. But because he's worked with so many people and he seems to have this, this wisdom, this knowledge when he's walking, which I think he, he has he has a really good message. He's very calm. He's not he's a little bit less all over the place than me. Um, but what I thought would be very beneficial, because predominantly aesthetically trained is all about men, and I know that we do have some wives, girlfriends, and some women that follow on social media. But linking the two together, something that I'm gonna get Simon's advice on this episode is how us as men, my my clients, the lads listening, and even some of the women 
business as well. How can we, in our relationships, the people that we meet, whether it's at work, we're friends, we're family, how can each sex, if you like, support each other better on the transformation journey? Because something certainly that I've noticed, unfortunately, or some would say fortunately, depending on how you look at it, over the years, I touched on this with Simon before, is that you do notice that when you're in the transformation business, both physically and mentally, people, funnily enough, transform. And that can sometimes mean that that partner or their friends or those around them don't necessarily keep up with them. And that can cause a little bit of resistance. So that's something that we're definitely going to get into in in this episode, for sure. But before we get to that, because it's a big topic, why did you get into this? Why Unbreakable? Why coaching people? How, How did it all, not necessarily how did it all start, but what's the purpose? Why do you love it? I always start here because I just couldn't figure my own shit out. I think that's where everyone starts from like this. I, I was a PT originally. Mm-hmm. Like, I was about eight stone dripping wet. I was like that really insecure, skinny kid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and the gym was my, my kind of domain. That's where I was like, right, I got bigger. And I was a lot bigger than I am now. I got bigger. I got stronger. And I, my confidence grew. And I was just... Working in a supermarket, stacking shelves. I obviously played a bit of football. That didn't work out, and I was just doing nothing, mate. And and someone said, "Are oh, you good? With, you know, you're in good shape. You should be a PT." <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, all right." So left the supermarket eventually to work in a gym. Mm-hmm. And mate, I just hit a real, you know, to be honest, I hit a real patch in my life where I was like, oh, by twenty-seven, I spent. I was like, oh, just real down about life, real anxious, real. Didn't know where I was going or everyone in my life knew where they were going. And so I just got into this stuff, so to speak, get my shit together. That's as blunt as I can put it. You know, I wanted to get my own shit together, you know. And obviously once you start doing that, and I was PTing people, you start bringing it in a bit. You're like, God, this stuff's working for me. So you start bringing it in. So I was a bit of, you know, a bit of physical, a little bit, sorry, a lot of physical, bit of mental. And then eventually I just kind of veered across me like right i'm just going to run a completely skill-based program around thinking feeling and doing better yeah and it it overtook you know says hardly any there is physicality in it but nothing like what you guys would do but just encouraging people to be healthy physically but the majority of the work was is obviously mentally and emotionally and i would say that is why i first started the long to go around the houses i started because i just couldn't figure my own shit out then i met paul where was where I met you. And Paul was like running a program, like sorting your shit out, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So I went to that and I was like, wow, that's what I need to be doing. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah, I just fell into, I fell into coaching more than anything, this yeah. stuff. Just enjoyed it, was good at it. Became passionate about it. And then when you're passionate about something, it just fuels you, doesn't it? Much like you're passionate about what you do. Yeah. It just fuels you to keep going. So yeah, I started because I was a bit of a mess, really, and sorted myself out and, and, and realized I was good at helping people do the same. Yeah. Awesome. In a nutshell. I think you know one I mean? of the, certainly one of the things for, for me that I've noticed over the years I've known you is that you've really refined your message as well. I think that this sort of focusing on, like you say, it, it takes a lot of balls to just go, we're just going to focus on the mental aspect because that's what, what's important to you. But also you've like really nailed that. It's, it's like I said before, go look and follow Simon's stuff on social media. It's calm, reassuring, but there's a lot of confidence in what he's saying in that, you know, you believe it. It's a, 
I, I always find your videos very, very relatable and very like, but I get something from it. It's not just wishy-washy people talking. You know, nowadays with mental health, I think it's got so talked about and popular, which is a good thing, but I think that isn't always necessarily talking about it. I think it might even be important. This isn't necessarily enough. I think you need some action and some something to take away from the message or from the video or some tasks. And I always yeah. feel like with with your stuff, whenever I've watched it, mate, and certainly knowing you over the years, there's always a point to it, um, which I think resonates with people a lot, lot more. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's a a cool part of it. I think the most part, just to talk about that quickly. We're in the we're in the advice era, aren't we? I mean, I talk about this a lot. Like, everyone's yeah. got advice. Everyone wants advice. It's like if I could come to you for advice for training, Ross. Give me some advice. But ultimately, I'm only going to benefit like I do in our relationship when yes. you give me you know, the practical skills yeah. to go do. When it comes to like your mind and getting the best at yourself mentally and emotionally, people seem to have broke that rule they're like oh yeah it's just about giving advice or about listening and it's still the same you've got to have practical skills that you practice like thinking good is is thinking good or english but thinking better is is broken down into tons of different little skills mini skills and and people need skills that's the lack the lack of skills is what we have it's like i don't know how to think properly i don't know how to concentrate i don't know how to overcome obstacles it's like no one's taught me no one taught me how to concentrate or no one taught me how to um you know manage my emotions no one taught me what to do if i feel terrible and that's what we're trying to say like have some skills so hopefully our message or mine isn't me being a big personality so to speak so here's what i would do here's what i would do i try and stay more skill-based yeah skills like biology is the same for everybody like it's you can scale it up you can tweak someone's biology. Yeah. Whereas if I'm giving you advice, like you may have a completely different life to me and what I've done may not work for you. Yeah. And I can say, oh, Ross, think like this, do this, do that. And you may go, oh God, I've got so much different life experience to you. So it, it doesn't work for you. Whereas skills that like that shift, like practically how you think, like, you know, actually get into the fucking biology of it, they work for everyone. Yeah. And how you put them in is up to you. So, mate, I'm, yeah, I'm, as you can tell, I'm big on skills. <laughs> like, That's great. Skills, skills. I can promise the people watching and listening, I haven't planned this. However, that has went perfectly into my first question. So, <laughs> your story, mate, you've explained it a little bit there, why you love helping people, how you built Unbreakable, hundreds, Simon has nearly 200 people a month in his program. So he's got a massive, a massive following. He's helping lots and lots of people. What would you say, mate? And this is, we can do both. We can do for you and maybe for your clients or for, for the men and women out there listening as well. What I've wrote down is, what is the one domino or the one habit that started it all for you that you still continue today? So, yeah, I'll let you, let you what go. What a question, mate. What a question. The one habit, the one skill I started with. Because while you're thinking, I'll, I'll explain it to people. I think sometimes, you know, people might say it's an event or a coach or a mentor. And I'm not really necessarily talking about that. I'm more about something that you've took control of yourself and you still realize the importance of it that we can maybe pass on to the, the, the people listening that you still you still use. What would you say? Quite a hard question, isn't it? Yeah, it is, because I could pick hundreds. Yeah. What was the you first one, though? What was the one that started? Say the that first event? one. Pre-bed ritual. 
pre-bed. Pre-sleep. Awesome. Yeah. Shutting down at night time is probably the one thing that I started with and I, and I kept. So I, the mornings were chaos for me. Yep. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. <laughs> the mornings were chaos. So I wake up oh, anxious, worried, stressed, just going about my day, fighting fires. And so everyone says get a morning routine, which is important. Yep. But I find I'd wake up that way and then dig myself out of that hole with a lot of work in the morning. Yep. And then it just kept repeating like Groundhog Day. Yeah. So the thing that really changed it for me was getting a handle on what happened before sleep. Right. Like learning to journal before sleep, learning to breathe effectively and learning to get a good night's sleep and sleep. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like learning to prioritize sleep. I got, so if you had to pick one skill, I might say meditation was the big thing for me. You know, I, yeah. I find that. But the thing that I do, and I still do that, but the thing that really I started with was this, this little pad of paper mm-hmm. <laughs> back then. And before bed, I used to write down what was the best bits of my day, you know, how I wanted to feel in the morning. I'd prioritize some breathing. I'd cut off my phone, my media, and I'd just get to sleep. And that probably made the biggest difference for me because most people are in a hole in the morning because of what happens the day before. Yeah. It's what I seem to, you know. Awesome. And, and morning routines are powerful. Everyone, I would recommend 100% to everyone. But if, you, if your morning routine just serves to dig you out of a hole every morning, there's some ice going on and it's yeah. usually pre-sleep. You know, you're, what you're thinking about in the pre-sleep tends to build momentum for most people and then you wake and there's this, here I go again kind of scenario. I've so, got a powerful <laughs> morning routine. I just sleep through yeah, the fucker. Yeah. I hate mornings. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't like, I, don't, I don't like mornings. I'm not, but that's why okay. I, I, I love you've said that because... I always think, and you'll have heard this, mate, no doubt over the years when people like, early bird catches and all that. It's like, it's great, but listen, if you sleep for eight hours at night and you wake up and you're mega productive in the afternoon, I don't give a fuck if you want to get up at eight o'clock or nine o'clock. Yes, I know a lot of people say you need to get up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. I'm like, I just think it's just busy cunts who want to look like they're doing something on social media. I would rather be more productive for, for, for two hours. I'd rather be more, more productive because I've had a good sleep and I've started my day the day that I wanted to start it rather than my alarm going off and looking at it. And for me, and you'll be the same in your business, if my alarm went off, and I know that some people out there have to do this for their job and fucking fair play to you, but for me, I run my own business. You you, you have your business, and for anyone else, that's the same power. I, I don't want to get up at five o'clock in the morning, and why would I get up and look at the alarm and like growl at the cunt and think, oh, I can't believe it's waking us up at this time in the morning. Who wants to start that day like that? So pre-sleep, I am all about pre-sleep ritual. I love that you've said that. Because pre-morning, I would have had to yeah. grin and bear it through this and t- pretended to agree with you, and I probably wouldn't have. But I love that that's so how How can people implement that, mate? What would be the questions that you ask ask yourself at night? Would just simply just writing stuff down. What, I, what I'd like is if someone this, just first thing I'd have is a bed... bed sorry, first thing I'd have is a bedtime alarm. Right. I'd have a bedtime alarm. Like, oh, it's 10 o'clock, half 10, I don't care. Yep. Every night that goes off, you know, I say your alarm sounds, you're like, oh, bed, I've got to go to bed. Because I find that most of the time, you, I'm just scratching around at night, just mm-hmm. kind of filling time with nonsense because I don't want to go to bed. So that alarm was like a cutoff. And I think a, a bedtime alarm works just as well as a morning alarm for most people. So I have a bedtime alarm. In a journal, you, you're trying to find the best bits of your day. Just writing down, like, what was good today? The thing is, right, you've got to stop leaving these open loops is the thing I would say. Most of us leave open loops in our brain before we get to bed, don't we? It's like, oh God, what if this happens tomorrow? God, I've got all this to do tomorrow. They're like open loops. They stay in your brain. Um, 
And that is why your brain works on them throughout your sleep, really. And you wake with it. So you, the key is, can I, what, what do I need to close off? What do I need to leave in today? So start with some good stuff. This was good. Here's some, here's some steps I took. I worked, you know, I hit my workout. Yeah, I hit my diet. Yeah, I went out and had a nice one on a date. I don't know, whatever. Write down three or four good bits of your day. Yeah. And then like, yeah. And then I'd always write, how do I want to feel tomorrow? You know, what is it I want to get done? Not like a to-do list, but, you know, yeah, I want, to, I want to feel energetic in the morning when I wake up and I want to feel this. So I'm thinking about what I want as opposed to what I don't want. That's crucial. So think about what you want rather than what you don't want. And I would just make sure I've closed off any open loops. Like I've, if I've got something on my mind, I'm going to write it down and go, all right, I'm going to do that, you know, on Thursday. Oh, yes, yeah, so get it out of your head, do it on Thursday, 10 o'clock. Because that's important. Once I put it down on paper and it's got like a time and a day, my brain's like, yeah, I'm happy. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. If I keep it up in my head, yeah. it'll keep it there. That's like called cognitive load, isn't it? Like cognitive load is basically all the information you hold in your brain. Yeah. And most people are holding too much because they never get it out. Or, you know, and they never plan and they never sound to do that Tuesday. So they're holding all this information. And I'm so overwhelmed. I've got so much going on. It's like, well, you get, get it get it planned out. Like, and a nighttime shutdown does that for most people. Yeah. Anything on your mind, put in a calendar, journal some wins, write how you'd like to feel tomorrow, get off media. You know, that's one of the crucial things. If you stay on media all night, you sleep like a bag of shit. Yeah. I mean, fact. And also, I mean, it sounds real boring. I love a beer. Like, I love a beer. But I know if I have a beer or two, yeah. the sleep will suck. Right. End off. <laughs> like, like I wear this aura ring and it's like something kept your heart rate up last night. So like, yes, yeah, that couple of beers I had. Um, so I still have them, but I just know that that affects my sleep. <laughs> it's like, you know, if I want a beer, I have a beer, but it's stuff like that. So if you're drinking every night, you're like, oh, my, my sleep's crap. It's like, well, that's why, you know, fact. Yeah. It'll help you get asleep, yeah. but your heart rate will stay massively elevated throughout your sleep. So. Brilliant. But I realise I've walked on there, mate, but <laughs> if you want to start on a night time, that's crucial. Cut off open loops, get off your phone, and that did more for me than waking up at 4am and crushing my workout. I'd send it up, I tried that for a while, I'd send it up tired. Aye, that would be me, 100%. 100%. And, and one more thing to finish on that one was Simon's advice there, something he touched on for sure. This cognitive load... I probably have it that it's a great it's a great thing a great quote like that cognitive load because a lot of people I find say that they're very very busy I have this when I do my quarterly calls the lads I work with I say do you use a diary and they go no and I go use a fucking diary then it's like Google Calendar just someone says you're doing this on this date you don't hold it in your head and think oh am I busy or not do you know when people go oh, I remember that I might have something on then. Just put everything in Google Calendar. All of a sudden, your life's just so much more simple. Sounds very mundane and monotonous, that, putting your life and even your social life and watching TV or going to cinema or going to the gym into a diary. But I tell you now, it makes everything so much better and it just seems to free your mind up. You can be more creative. And like Simon said there, I've not, I've not heard that before, cognitive load, you're not carrying as much shit around with you if you can do that. So I would definitely advise that one. Yeah, without a doubt. It's, it's like having, it's like maxing your phone memory out. Yeah. You know, when you max your memory out, the phone starts going really slow yeah. and crap. That's what your brain's like. 100%. So you just maxed it out. Like, take some shit out of it. Next one, mate. You've kind of answered 
you've answered kind of two of my questions because something I'd noted down from your page actually was about sleeping deeper and waking fresher, but we've covered what that is. That's, would you put that all down to the, pre, the pre-bed ritual you feel helps you with that? I think so. I mean, supplementation, obviously, but, you know, if, if someone's watching this right now and says, I, I'd like to sleep better, I'd say supplementation is a supplement, right? You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're doing all that other stuff, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, I would say if you want to sleep deeper and wake fresher, I'm big on sleep now, the last few years. If you want to do that, it's, it's getting that routine in. And I'm a big, by the way, I'm a big fan of what you said. If you have the ability, just don't set an alarm yeah. on a Sunday. on a like Because I, I read this experiment where they took all these kids and they were like, right, we're not going to set an alarm. You just sleep till you sleep. And if you wake up, you've got to get out of bed. But if you just sleep, you just sleep. Right. And these kids, it was a group of athletes. They grew quicker. They got stronger quicker. They were swimmers, American swimmers. Their their performance increased. They felt happier. Because most of us are chronically underslept. They're dragging them out of pools at 5 a.m. in the morning every day, basically. You know, like half half asleep. And they were like, so I brought that in. So for me, because I can do that, a couple of days a month, I just no, won't set an alarm. I'll just yeah. sleep till I sleep. And sometimes you'll be surprised at 36 years old, you know, you're waking up at midday. Yeah. But that is your body saying, You need a break. You need, mate, you need to sleep. Yeah. So I think doing that works for some people. Just, just don't set an alarm sometimes. If you get up, get up. But if you don't, just sleep. And it all starts, like you said, I, I think I've, I've quoted a few of my clients over the years that what you realize, particularly when you're training hard, it takes just as much discipline to go to bed early as it does to get up early. We can all be pulled out of bed or shouted at by an alarm and wake up. Every no one, no one sleeps in when they've got a flight to an airport in the a flight at the airport in the morning or they're going on holiday. They need to catch a train. Everyone can do yeah. it. An alarm, funnily enough, will fucking wake you up. That's what it's designed to do. But it takes more discipline to say, "Listen, I could stay up at twelve o'clock tonight. I know I've got to get up at six, but I will get up at six because I've got to because I've got work or whatever it is that you listening got." And you'll say to yourself, I know I shouldn't have six hours, but I can run on it. I can cope on it. It takes more discipline yeah. at 10 o'clock to say, I'm going to wind down. I'm going to go to bed now. I'm going to do all I can to get my seven and a half hours, to get my five sleep cycles, to make sure that I'm putting myself in the best possible position the next day, both mentally, cognitively, however you want to put it, and also in terms of your physical performance. That, for me, is massively, massively not talked about. Like I think... Again, you know, get going to bed early or just having that discipline at night is huge. So it's 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 a really good point, mate. The, what the you next- said about sorry, it's what you said about the calendar. That's exactly the same. Yeah, oh, it takes a bit of discipline to stick it in a calendar, but fucking, hell, it gives you some freedom. Yeah, the freedom you'll have by that because that takes it out of your head. You haven't yeah. got to make any more decisions. It's like, well, it's all in my calendar. I just wake up and I follow my calendar. Yeah, and then you get more free time. You get you get everything. It removes the emotion. This is you'll know when I've when I've coached you or anyone I work with. If you haven't had the pleasure of working with with me yet, those of you listening, you fucking need to work with me on a diet. I'm telling you now. But one of the things I always say to people is that when you're dieting, we all become very emotional, needy bastards, and we're like, ah, oh, I need carbs. Or should I do this? Or people look in the mirror and they say, ah, I'm looking a bit flat. I've lost size. I'm going to have some more carbs before training. Or ah, oh, I've not lost. Uh, one of my clients called the scales the sad step. All these, all these people that will have this attachment to our weight or how we look or how we feel or how we perform. Listen, your priority is how you feel. Sometimes when you're in a fat loss phase, you're going to have times when you don't feel great, but it's for the, for the greater good. 
But in all scenarios, and the point I'm going to get at yeah, went the wrong way around it, is that we sometimes make decisions, particularly when we're tired, based on emotion, whether it's in a diet, whether it's in uh, muscle gain, fat loss, whatever it is, we need to learn to be emotionless. And the way we do that in dieting, in having a coach, is that we are removing our ability to have emotion or at least our ability to act upon emotion because we're coach tells us what to do or the plan is that well written, in the case of my fucking programs, that it's already set. So it's not a case of, have you lost, you know, have you lost this much weight this week? Then it's a yes or no answer or whatever it is. And then you make a change. It's not asking you, how do you feel about it? Are you upset about it? Because if we go off for emotion, if we go off, oh, well, I thought I had a good week. I think I'm looking small. Maybe I should up the calories. Your mind starts playing tricks on you. And it's just the same. I'm going to keep that fucking phrase, Simon, cognitive load. It's the same with your calendar. And with everything else in your life, if you have a calendar, if you're booking stuff in, if your mate says to you tomorrow, pubs are back open, do you want to go to the cinema? cinema? Do you want to go out? Do you want to train? You haven't got that question. You don't feel bad about telling people no. You don't have fear of missing out. Because when you go, what you do on Friday night, you just go, two seconds, mate, I'll just double check my diary. Oh, I'm, I'm training at seven o'clock. I've got jujitsu. Or I'm boxing or whatever it is. Or I'm going for a meal with my wife. That, that It's not even a decision anymore. So you're not holding on to these things and giving people maybes and carrying around this doubt in your mind. You're just saying yes or no. So use a calendar. <laughs> of all the things you've said, use a calendar and get to sleep. <laughs> Live an exciting life. <laughs> get a calendar, get to sleep. It is true, though. Another thing, I mean, I know you guys have questions. Something I love is just having some rules. Yeah. And I live a rough, like, I'm going to finish today. In about half hour, I'm going to go home all day. <laughs> but I have some rules. Number one, I never take my laptop home. Right. And that was because I had this problem of like, oh, just in the evening, I just need to check on this. And then an hour later, you're still pissing about on this laptop. And I was like, I've got to stop this. So when I leave it, I don't care what happens. I never take my laptop home, ever. That's a rule. That's cool. And that, the amount of freedom that's given me. Another one is you got me doing the 20 minutes cardio, you know, because obviously I'm in your, in your groups. I was like, right, I never drive to work. My office is 20 minutes from my house walking. Yep. I never drive to work. I don't give a shit what happens. I don't drive to work. So if I have to walk quicker, if I have to run there because I'm late, I'm never walking to work. That's a rule. Yeah. And I just love those clear, easy rules. I never use Facebook on my phone unless I'm walking, talking. That's the only time I'm allowed. Yeah. And it gives me so much freedom. because And they're, it's there to solve problems in my life. Too much Facebook at home. Too much laptop at home. Yeah. You know, and driving a car doesn't... Um, Oh, there we are. Driving a car doesn't really help me on the way to work. I'd rather get my extra steps in. Yeah. So it's like, I never drive to work. Yeah. End off. I find those really easy because it takes decisions out of my life. I don't have to think about doing work at home because it's like, no, I don't take my laptop home. Fantastic. So. Discipline equals freedom. That's always a good, a good way of looking at it. Right, I've got two more, two more main, main questions for you, mate. Go on. What, how, how, what, where shall I go next? End self-sabotage and mental chaos. So I was looking at your, at your content earlier. I want to relate this particularly in terms of self-sabotage. There's a little bit what I touched on before is men, women, anyone listening going, going through a transformation, I, I believe that it's as much about the mental side of it and being taught about that and how you're likely to feel as it is about the physical. I, I can get anyone in shape once in the 28-day challenge. You're going to lose... A calorie deficit is not fucking magic. You know, that isn't what... 
I'm about. It's about the thing after that. It's about the inner circle. It's about turning into a lifestyle. And a lot of that is the mental side of it and is actually, as you say, ending self-sabotage. So talk to us a little bit about that, mate. How you do it. How do you, I guess, build that confidence and stop? Or is it something you've always got to deal with? And what do we even mean by self-sabotage? Maybe it's yeah, giving it's a quite a lot of clarification. I think self-sabotage for most people, let's use what I would consider it as, and let's take the dictionary term out. But I think most people, self-sabotage is something where they, that if you say, oh, I self-sabotaged, it's something you probably didn't want to do that didn't help your results at anything, isn't it? You know, I was doing really well on my diet. I, self, I completely self-sabotaged. I went out and I loads of shit. I self-sabotaged. I don't know what's happening. I was doing really well in that relationship and I blew it all out. I blew it all out the water. I don't know what I was doing. I self-sabotaged. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. I think, here's my experience of doing this. I've been doing this a long time, <laughs> sabotaging and helping people. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're only ever trying to escape how we currently feel, is the way I look at it now. We're, we're usually trying to feel better. In the moment, when I'm on my diet, and I'm like, oh, this is hard work. You know, it's, it makes me feel better to go eat that shit for a bit. And then I eat it and it's like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, oh, I feel terrible about my life. What did I do? I'm such a failure. You know, and we do it with all things. I think self-sabotage comes from an inability to deal with discomfort. Deep. I'm looking at it that way. And we do it with all sorts of things. But it's the, we, we, the, the skills we teach, like, how can we get comfortable in discomfort? And not being like, you know, like David Goggins, like you've got to get uncomfortable being, you're comfortable being uncomfortable. It's on that end, that leading edge. Get into your hurt. Be, actually, most people are just uncomfortable doing nothing. That's another form of discomfort. Yep. You know, just being like, fuck, I feel off. I feel off. I feel crap. And can I process that? Can I be okay with that? Can I lean into that? You know, um, and as you change, you use this word, transformation. Transformation is uncomfortable. Lots of old patterns are dying off. You're thinking, lots of old patterns of behavior. And like any addiction, because we're addicted to those things, when they're really dying off, they, they shout louder, you know? That habit shouts louder at you, like, come on, like one last hit. And it's, be, it's, it's having the ability to not run away from it. I think a lot of us, we sit, we run away from discomfort whether that's in some external like food, you know, drama, you know, or, or like, sort of like, you know, in a relationship, for example, you, ah, oh, it gets really good. And I, you know, people self-sabotage because it's even the, the feeling good is uncomfortable. So like, this is really good. I like it. it almost feels so uncomfortable. I'm going to have to go back to my old ways. So I think for self-sabotage, it's um, an inability to feel uncomfortable. And it's learning to embrace that. I think for a lot of us, we think if we feel good, we're doing good. If we feel bad, we're doing bad. That's what I've noticed in people. It's like, oh, I feel crap. It's, so I must be doing crap. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, not at all. I mean, I know, you know, through training, sometimes you feel crap because it's all going, wow, you're doing the right stuff. Yeah. And it's getting hard and it's getting tough. But, you know, a good friend of mine who's an advisor to us, does a lot of grief work for us. And she's like, sometimes people are like, oh, it's hard. And she's like, yeah, that's because it's hard. Yeah. It feels hard because it is hard. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's this refusal to be like, I can't sit with what this purely is, so I'm going to have to go and do something else. And that's kind of what we teach people mentally, isn't it? You don't feel very good, distract yourself, look at something good, 
And we're creating a lot of people who are just unable to feel how they feel and not wallow in it, but just be like, yeah, I feel a bit off and I'm not going to analyze that. I'm not going to strap myself. I'm going to lean into that and carry on because mm-hmm. that's the skill. So that's where, when I talk about ending self-sabotage, it's like, because there's two ways you could say, right, find, you know, find some, you're doing it because you want to feel good. So find a healthy thing that helps you feel good. That's one way of doing it, I think. But again, sometimes I felt that was just distracting people. So I was like, we'll teach you to feel, you know, find healthy things to feel good. If you, if if sabotage is because you feel crap and you want to feel good, find healthy ways to feel good. Yeah. On the flip side, actually teach people to be okay with not feeling good. And that sounds completely backwards, but there's nothing more freeing than thinking, yeah, I'm comfortable feeling anything. That's and like, this is hard and I get it, but I'm, I'm okay with it because I've got the skills to deal with it and I'll just keep going. So I think sometimes we run away from discomfort and that's why we sabotage. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? That was exactly why I, I, I didn't want to, talk, I, I've got a habit of answering people's questions for them before I fucking ask them it. So I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to having, having read, having read and know, knowing your work and your, obviously mate, I, I kind of, that was one of the real things which I'm glad you talked about is, is almost sometimes that we're, we need to just accept where we're at and that it's maybe part of the journey as opposed to the particular thing was the distracting part. So it was end self-sabotage. And I didn't mention it because I wanted to say, but without distraction, because that's sometimes what people do is, is they'll use something else and it can be a positive. Um, and, and I'll give the, the, the listeners or the watchers subscribe and hit like on YouTube um, an example of this. And that is that for myself, anyone who follows me on social media, Instagram, my busiest weeks are always before the 28 day challenge. I'll tell you now, I normally train twice a day those weeks because I'm most stressed and it's not the best time I could train. It's not the best time I could be training more, but it's two things. It's it's helping us manage the stress a little bit, but also, if I'm being honest, another way, and I, and I recognize it and I say it early in Connor as well, make sure I don't say I'm going to train like three times a day or I'm going to do this and that because I'm avoiding what I should be doing. And what we can sometimes do is, particularly when you're your own boss or you're maybe in a, a managerial role at work, you can fill your day with busy tasks that you are personally more comfortable with. Just because I'm comfortable with training to other people like fucking hell, he's working hard, he's training three times a day. I probably should have been writing emails or doing social media content, but I'm doing something where to other people, it might look like, wow, he's comfortable being uncomfortable. No, I'm just choosing my own. Ver- I'm choosing something that might look yeah. uncomfortable to other people, but to me, I'm actually very comfortable there. I'm doing it to kind of, yeah. To, to distract myself from the big tasks that I need to do. Um, and that's- I, think goal, I think a lot of goals, a lot of goals are set in that vein. Yeah. Like I said, there's a big, you should, getting comfortable being uncomfortable, there's two sides, there's two ends of the scale. Yes, you need, anyone would benefit from getting comfortable stretching themselves, of course. That's why me and you are here, that's what we do. Yeah. On the flip side of that, we should also be, comfortable in the discomfort that comes from not having a goal you know not having anything to do yeah actually not being able to run away from how we feel mm-hmm. there's two sides of that and i think if you get both you become a very powerful person yeah I'm, I'm comfortable leaning in stretching myself but also i'm comfortable in just being just being like you know and i think we're so busy running away from these like the way we feel anything we run away from pursues us and sometimes you just turn around and go yeah what the fuck what's this about like it just shrinks and sometimes if you sit in it sorry sometimes if you sit in it 
particularly when you meditate and then you learn how to pause and reframe and you can realize it, you know, you're not your thoughts. You can just, you can see it for what it is. You're not getting too engrossed in it. Sometimes you can then learn to understand more about why it is that you're feeling that way. As opposed to if you're continually distracting yourself by using exercise or drugs or drink or even a, even a positive form of distraction, like what Simon mentioned. Sometimes when you're using that, you never actually get into the root of why it is that you feel a certain way. Um, and by spending a little bit of time and accepting that you feel like that, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, anxious, uh, nervous, excited, whatever emotion it is, sometimes having a little bit of time and, and, and having the space for it and just accepting it allows you to realize the actual root cause as opposed to just continually avoiding it and it keeps coming back and you're just avoiding it again and again. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, you just the more we avoid things, the more we suppress them down, they'll come out eventually. And that's when they come out in big ways for a lot of us, like just explode up in front of us because we've been holding it down for so long that yeah. now it's like it can't be held any any longer. But to, yeah, it's ending self sabotage. I think it, you don't need to sabotage or get away from un, from uncomfortable feelings when you are okay with being uncomfortable. And that's not you know I wouldn't say I'm perfect at that. Uh, we're all reach out to different shit all the time, but you can get do that less and less and less and less and less when you harness that skill as well. And I think that's a really important skill. I think if you're looking at mental health, you're looking at anything. If you can teach people not, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Not that well, that's a wonderful statement, but literally it's, a, you know, like teach people like, yeah, you know, just lean into it. Just feel it. It will pass through you. It will pass. Those 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 sensations will pass if you lean into them. And I think that's one major skill we we teach people a lot of. Otherwise, it's we get addicted to feeling good, you know. And when we don't feel good, it's oh my god, I don't feel good today. Am I doing something wrong? Is something you know what? what? It's like no, no, no. That's just life. Yeah. Sometimes you don't feel good. If you can learn to process and be okay with that, very simply, you live freely. And it doesn't mean, for anyone listening, it doesn't mean that we're not pursuing the optimal. It doesn't mean that we're not wanting to feel good every day. We're not chasing feeling bad, but just accepting that that's sometimes not going to be the case. I think that's a, yeah. a big thing to remember. Yeah, but that's a bang on point because we think there's either or. You hear that and you go, all oh, right, so the answer is to, it's got to be either or. You're either chasing more, a bit like Arjuna's. Arjuna's book, there we go. There's yeah. a good plug for him. <laughs> yeah, you're either chasing more or you're just happy with what you've got. When actually, imagine both. Yes. Imagine just being like, yeah, I'm comfortable being where I'm at, but I'm also pursuing more. That is where the magic is. And that's something that's missing in transformation. You've probably seen this. We run away from pain. We get comfortable. We're like, wow, look at me. I look great. We'll go back to pain again. Oh, I'm uncomfortable. I need to do something. Oh, I'm back in shape. Great. I'm comfortable. Like we just keep fixing and you've got to shift from fixing to building. It's a massive mindset shift. Like, get away from pain, but then, like, what am I after? What do I want? What's next? Like, enjoy moving forward rather than always trying to fix the old. I think that's a crucial step that needs to be made by all of us. Fantastic. Last one, mate. This one's a good... The last the last of our big topics, and we've got the legendary quickfire round to finish off. Love the legendary quickfire round. Go on. Nah. <laughs> right. I touched on this at the beginning. I'm sure you've seen it in the women. Anyone here who's a PT in life in general, people go through changes and people in transformations. And I've noticed over the years with a lot of men that I've worked with, there's 
obviously untold amounts of benefits, both the physical health, mental health, confidence, but sometimes in relationships, could be at work, but I'm thinking more specifically in, in relations between men and women, sometimes we find that when one partner or one person, not necessarily outgrows the other one, but they're making a lot of changes in their life, there can be a little bit of resistance. I've seen in just in my programs, I'll be honest, I've seen this lead to divorce. I've seen it lead to people splitting up with a partner. It, it can cause literally like life-changing events to occur going through a transformation. Now, I'd like to think that it always ends up in a positive result and it's for the better. What can we do, mate? And what's your opinion as, as men having your experience with them? What can we do more to get our partners on side? What can we do more to... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to put too many words into your mouth or go into too much. I want to kind of see, just see your thoughts on it. Have, have you seen that? Happen and how do we deal with it? Yeah, cool. I think this happens loads of different ways, isn't it? So let's break it down real quick. Say you're having a transformation, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally, and you're being met with resistance by your partner. Yeah. You know, I think why are they meeting you with resistance? Usually it's because they feel a little bit um, like, why are you changing? You know, you changing because, you know, you're not happy with me or you do you need me to change now? Like, do I have to keep up with this change? And I think when you see someone changing and growing, it can make you feel uncomfortable, can't it? You know, it's like, God, you know, are they not happy? Will they not be happy in me? So that's the first way around it happens before we get. But also happens the other way around, as in you grow and change, and then you're like, why can't they just sort themselves out and that can cause resistance are you talking about both of those kind of phases both and i, and I guess what i want to make clear is before any fucking women listening kick off i'm not i'm not saying that like everyone has to just because a man wants to get in shape the woman should suddenly want to get in shape i'm saying how can we everyone's with the person they're with as long as it's a good relationship they're happy how can we support each other through it and not have this disconnect yeah. that i have seen happen and it can equally could be from a woman can even be at yeah, work it happens massively the other way yeah it can be it your friends as well it happens massively the other way you know when women i mean i used to coach mainly women right we used to unbreak was mainly women women would move and change and transform and their partners be that a man or a woman or whatever would get uncomfortable like you know because all of a sudden this person's listening to somebody else who isn't them you know they're part of this thing they're getting in shape maybe they're in a gym they got different friends it makes them feel insecure it makes them yep. feel you know like yeah that exact word insecure and so the first thing i would say is you know can you you know i'll get a bit deeper on this as we go but you know if i'm the person transforming number one how can i reassure that person make just let them know it's not about them you know because everyone makes everything about them. Oh God, are they changing? Because I, am I not going to be a good and good enough for them now? Well, it's not about you. They're doing it because of them. You got to make sure that they know why you're doing it. The other thing is, I'd say, you know, get them involved. Not necessarily involved in like come with me, but talk to them about it. You know, involve them. You know, reassure them. Um, the, the main way round I see this panning out is sometimes the person who's changing gets uncomfortable with the person who maybe isn't into this new stuff. You know, right. their partner's not into it. And it's like, fucking hell. You know, and that's where we become like, you know, we try and change them. 
you know, all of a sudden we want them, you know, to, to, to take on our new ways. And that's not healthy neither, that, by the way. That's not, that's, not a good, no. that's not a good thing to be like that. That's the worst place to be. Yeah. You know, when we were unstoppable, for example, you know, men would come through, they'd be studying the work by Byron Katie, and then they'd be like buying their partner, their wife at that point, you know, the Byron Katie book. Look, you need to read this. You need to read this. And they're like, <laughs> <"Shut up." laughs> you know, but that is why do why do we want that? And I got to be honest, I think sometimes it's because we see the other person we're very close to and the patterns they have remind them, remind us of the ones we didn't like in ourselves. Yes. I think there's a huge amount of that that happens. You know, you know, we want, and so A, we like see things in them that are reflections of our old behaviors. And that's like, oh God, you, you know, you need to be different, even though they don't. So yeah. That's the first point. You know, the second point sometimes is we just feel great and we want them to feel great as well. You know, you know, so I'll, but ultimately, you know, do I really need the person I'm with? Do I really need them to be the same as me? You know, if you if, say you love them, say they're your partner, you know, would you love them any less just because they're not into the things you're in? I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, it's quite a deep question. But for me, uh, you know, my my partner's not really into any of the stuff I do. You know, I love them regardless. Um, I don't need them to be like on the same page as me. It's like, no, nah, I don't need you to do this because I'm doing it for me and I, you know, you benefit from it. And I think there's that shift that needs to, you know, to my mindset shifts. In all transformations, there becomes that tugboat lighthouse shift. We feel good and we try and tugboat everyone into feeling this way. It's, Dude, you should do this. You should do that. And it's that of excitement a lot of the time. Yep. But sometimes it's just that of need. Like, I need you to be on the same page as me because I need you to be the same as me. That's a tugboat. You've got to behave this way. I need you to behave a certain way. And I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to make you do it. A lighthouse is literally stood there all day, just, just happy and doing what they're doing. And then, then when you put no pressure on that individual, because when I say, look, read this book, all they hear is, you need me to be different. Hey, maybe you should come to the gym with me. You need to be different. Hey, maybe we should eat better. You need to be, me to be different. That's what they hear. That's what we all hear. And we don't, that's the quickest way to create separation. So it's like, hey, can I, how can I just be happy doing what I'm doing? And usually people come along with you when that happens. If they love you and you love them, they come along. It's like friends. If you're good mates, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm into that. You're into that. We're still mates. Whatever. And I think it's making that transition where not needing everyone to agree with us or live the same way we live or, or have the same habits as us. If you can make that transition, it's fine. Now, of course, you said sometimes people just grow apart. Friends grow apart. Partners grow apart. And that's natural. It's such a big topic, this. We could talk about it in loads of ways. It's good. I've loved it. I've loved listening to you on that, just that little bit there. That's, that's brilliant. I've, I've, everyone will have heard me say before, I'm sure, the lighthouse and the tugboat, I've used that saying many times before. I haven't explained it quite as elegantly as what Simon put it together there, but I, I certainly have done that. I've noticed men doing that um, and being that person that's, like, shouting about it. Um, and, and, yeah, you bang on, mate. Really, really bang on. So how, how can we... I think, well, I think anyone who's comfortable in their own skin mm -hmm. probably doesn't need the other person to be different. Yeah. 
I'm changing you to make me feel better. And if I'm changing you because I know I want you to feel better, it's because I want to see you a different way. So, deep. That's, yeah, it's like if you feel good, if you feel good in yourself, why do I need somebody I care about to be different? But when I'm not feeling good in myself, everyone needs to be bloody different anyway. You need to behave differently. You need to talk differently. You need to be into what I'm into. You need to. It's like I need. You know, everyone needs to be different. So I think, A, it's if you're comfortable in your own skin. Do I need, like, if you're comfortable in your own choice, look at the, forget, you know, on a tangent, but look at social media now. Everyone's offended by what everyone says about everything. Yeah. You know, vaccine, not vaccines, yeah. bloody lockdowns, all this stuff. It's like, if you lose good friends over that, I don't know, that's whatever floats your boat. Maybe you want good friends. <laughs> but, yeah. but for me, it's like, I'm comfortable in my own opinion of that. I don't need you to think any differently, even if I think I know better than you. It's like, man, you're still my mate. I'm comfortable in my decision. Be comfortable in yours. You know what I mean? And, and I, I think people just need people to be different to feel better themselves. Yeah. So to sum up on that, we need to, need to be more the lighthouse in the tugboat, don't we? And accept that we're trying to change ourselves for ourselves first and foremost not for other people and we don't need them to change for us either and if we do again going very deep and you can go for many times on this but if you do feel that way maybe there is actually something deeper in in the relationship that needs addressed rather than just your physique yeah yeah well come we've all worked in gyms you know people come in they transform and then all of a sudden they're single aren't they yeah you know what i would say all the time yeah, it does. It does. It does. Brilliant. Yeah, right, mate. Happens. Are you ready? Legendary quick Go fire on, out. Oh, Go. A little bit of a, a little bit of a heads up first. So the start, the first four are pretty easy. Just you don't have to think. Then the last four, you've got a little bit of time to put together a more in-depth answer, if you like. So Go on. cats or dogs? Dogs. We love dogs. Late nights or early mornings. <laughs> Well, say that again. We love dogs. We love dogs. Late nights or early mornings? Late nights. Late nights. I'm, I'm a late. I've just discovered both. I, I, much, I, I like, I'm a night owl, I think. Tea or coffee? Tea. This is a one specifically, more specifically for you. Self-talk or talk it through with friends? Talk it through with friends. Oh, interesting! I thought you would have been thought you would have been more the self talk. Uh, I'm, 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 what me or what I think people should do? Well, that's it. Listen, it's the quick fire round, mate. I don't know. You've just got to decide. It's what comes. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're getting on to the harder ones now. I want you to think about this? About these a little bit more. What is the worst place you have ever been? Be prepared to offend people. Don't fanny it. If it's if it's fucking somewhere and you know the town or the country, say it. The worst place I've ever been. Hold, give me a couple of minutes. Give me a couple of minutes on quick fire. I'm trying to think where I've been. Do you know what? The worst place I've ever been that I <laughs> isn't actually a nice place, but it was the worst place I went was this hotel in Mallorca. I just I'd never go back there. It was a shithole. Worst piss down every I'd never go back there. That is the worst place I've ever been. Yeah, but I don't. I'm keeping that. 
And then maybe the both. <laughs> maybe <laughs> both. I like both. <laughs> and the other side of that coin is, of course, where is the best place you've ever been? The best place I've ever been. Oh, I love Mauritius, mate. Mauritius. We've never been, Mauritius. never been there. This is why I'm asking because I'm getting loads of. I'm getting everyone that's answered. I'm going to do like an end of year, like worst places, best places, and have like a little list. And then when I'm traveling, I know oh, where we're going oh, to go. You said I'm allowed to think a bit longer. My favorite place to go is probably Malaga, the old town. I love yeah. hanging out in the old town, Malaga. Yeah. Nice. I like it. I like it. Good. Break your rules, bro. The, the worst piece of advice you have ever been given. You don't have to say who from, but what, what was it? The worst piece of advice I've ever been given. Or heard. Maybe it's not to you, but the worst piece of advice. I've ever... Okay. Action is the only answer. Elaborate. Give us a little bit. Why, why do you think that's bad advice? Because I think it keeps people stuck, addicted to action. And it I kept me so. stuck for a long time trying to out-act and run away from discomfort. And we've covered. Awesome. Links in. It's nice when they all link in together. That kind of links into what I talked about earlier. Brilliant. But I probably had worse advice, but just on the topic, I, I couldn't think. And I was like, in my industry, the worst advice I've ever had is just if I feel stressed, take some action. If I feel anxious, take some action. If, and I'm not talking about, um, yeah, you've got to do something different. But for a lot of people, we hear that. And we're like, fuck, I just need to wake up and do shit every day. And I won't feel this way. Yet they still do. It needs to be the right action, doesn't it? Because sometimes action can be avoidance. Sometimes it can be the wrong thing. And that's what people, just because they want to show that they're doing some of the busy tasks, whatever else, makes them feel better temporarily. And then as I said before, the, the, the problem's still there. So that's good. Yeah. Last one, mate. Epic episode. Thank you for coming on. We're going to finish on this. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, you just threw these at me, didn't you? The best piece, I've been given a lot of advice, mate. The best piece of advice I've ever been given. If it's important, do it every day. Nice. I think that was probably the best piece of advice I've been given in a, in a quote. If it's important, do it every day. Do you meditate every day? Yeah. Good. We're big fans of meditation here on this podcast. I'm trying to yeah, preach it yeah. to the if I could add one extra thing, it'd probably be like, yeah, <laughs> everything has an end. It's another bit of advice I've always found useful. So if I'm feeling really great, I remember not out of fear, but you know, those moments, they end eventually. Like those times you have with people, they do end to make the most of them. But also all the shit times end as well. They do end eventually. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you very much, mate. Do you want to let everyone know? your social media handles and whatnot so they can, so they can follow up. I will put the information oh, in the show notes below. I'm going to be honest, you're going to have to put it in the information below because <laughs> I ain't going to put it in the I'll, I'll, I'll sort it all out. Thank you very much. That was an absolute pleasure. I will put Simon's information in the notes below the episode. Make sure that you like, subscribe, comment, all the stuff that you know that you should do. Thank you very much for listening. And goodbye.
You've been listening to Aesthetically Trained, the podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and spread the word.